Okay, hello and welcome back. Hi, guys. And How's gals. Every- yeah, and gals, yeah. And others. <laughs> and everyone else in yeah. between. Yes. How has everyone's week been? I mean, we won't know because we can't hear you, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd ask. <laughs> Hopefully it's been great. We had a pretty crazy week last week, and it just kind of continued with the crazy just oh boy uh, hopefully hopefully this is it there's no more crazy after this This better be it (laughs) so yeah Chantal do you want to let everyone know how lucky you've been (laughs) so just when I thought my string of bad luck would possibly maybe be over with the flat tire in my truck and that whole fiasco nah definitely not I went through my training course for my new job so I'm a certified TCP now And I took my course last weekend, so both Saturday and Sunday. And Saturday morning, I got to my course, and I got there quite early. I was the first one there, so I'm sitting in the parking uh, parking lot out front of the gate waiting for everybody else. And not long after I showed up, another gentleman from the course showed up, and he parked right beside me. So after a few minutes, we started talking through the windows of our vehicles, and then we both got out and were bullshitting outside, and it was really sunny. It was really hot last weekend and clear blue skies, both Saturday and Sunday, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. I needed to get my sunglasses, and so I walked around the driver's side of my Jeep, and I was parked right beside a garden, so the parking stall was literally right along the garden bed. And it wasn't separated. Like, there was no painted line separating the stall from the edge of the garden. It was literally all together. Like, you could just drive your tire right to the edge of the asphalt along the garden. And the asphalt sloped down about two inches towards the garden, probably for water drainage purposes. And I didn't realize that it was sloped so to such a degree So when I went walking, I thought I was walking on flat ground, and I was not. I walked completely flat, you know, vertical onto the slope. My right foot gave out, and so the outside of my right foot went down the slope really hard, and it felt like, if you can think about the outside of your feet, if it was to, like, fall down a slope, that it's kind of like if you fall on it, the inside of your foot basically, like, caves in on itself. And that's what my foot did. And then I went down so hard that, like, I smashed my left knee into the asphalt and came, like, centimeters from hitting my face on the asphalt. And I put my hands out at the very last second. And that's usually how people break their wrists. Oh, it's true. I know. I I know two people who broke their wrists in those situations where they fell, put their hands out at the very last second and snapped their wrist. Well, my neighbor, uh, last year in the winter, same thing. She slipped and she shattered her wrist. Yep. Like, yeah, I've known so many people to break their wrists that way. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it's that or your face. Pretty much. (laughs) So, I don't know. Right? It's, yeah, way the lesser of two evils. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, my hands went out at, like, literally the last second. I could smell the asphalt. My face was so close to it. And it was was crazy how fast I went down. Like, I still have flashbacks Mm -hmm. to it. And it was so scary, Diana. Yeah. Because I was, like, literally just blotted out walking. And the next thing I knew, my foot felt like... It, it like broke or was severely sprained. So yeah. I had the intense pain of my foot. Yeah. And for anybody who's torn anything or fractured something like that, you know what I'm talking about with that level of pain. It's a level of pain where you pretty much know that you've done some really significant damage to it. Yep. And then 
I just piled onto the asphalt and it was so fast and I had no idea why I fell because I thought I was walking on flat ground. So I was so confused. I was scared shitless. It probably happened in seconds. Like less than a second. And then the guy who was outside talking with me, he seen it happen and he was like, holy shit, are you okay? (laughs) And I was like, no, I wasn't as calm as I am right now. I was like groaning and stood up and was leaning on my Jeep, swaying back and forth and rocking. And then I had realized that the asphalt sloped and that that's what I fell down. Yeah. So finished my course and everything, blah, blah, blah. And my boss told me I had to go to the hospital and that he couldn't put me onto the road for construction until he knew what was going on with my foot. Well, yeah, your your foot was swollen. Everything's swollen, and it's, like, purple and green and beautiful shades of blue and yellow. Right. Yeah. (laughs) All the shades of the rainbow. All shades of the rainbow. Yeah, so he was like, get your ass to the hospital, like, literally Sunday when we were done our course. And then we got back to the office after our road test and debriefed. He told me, you're like, go straight to the hospital right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was like, all right, fine. So I literally went right after our, our course. I went from our course to the hospital. And sure enough, I fractured my foot. I got what's called a pseudo Jones fracture. And it was devastating. And I couldn't fucking believe it because I knew I was going to be off work for several weeks. And so, yeah, the recovery time is three to six weeks. Yep. So I literally just get certified for a new job. I'm so excited to start. And now I can't even start. And this is what, day six? Tomorrow's a week yeah. since I fractured my foot. Yeah. So this is day six. So I'm not even a week into it yet. And I potentially have another two to five weeks ahead of me. Yep. It fucking blows. And I'm lucky. And the doctor, he was so sympathetic in minor treatments when he showed me my foot on the x-ray and everything. He was, he was in like, he, he knew that I was just starting this job. And he was like, I'm so sorry that I'm delivering you this bad news. But he said, if you can try to see the positive in it, see the positive in it. Because he told me that I'm, I'm very, in a sense, fortunate that I sustained the pseudo Jones fracture and not the Jones fracture, yeah. which is the bone above the bone that I fractured. Yeah. So I fractured like the joint on the outside of my foot, kind of near the middle, and it connects to like the pinky toe. And so this Jones fracture, again, I believe is the bone above that. And he said that's two to three months off. Well, it's big because as yeah. soon as you told me, you know me, I, I research it and I was like, holy crap. So I, I see the bone that you broke. And then the other one, it's long. Yeah, it's like, a long it's bone. Massive, yeah. So that would be way worse yeah you had broken that one so oh yeah so yeah he was like i know that this sucks beyond belief but he's like try and be grateful or see the positive that you didn't sustain the jones fracture because you'd be out for so much longer yep and diane is taking me to the hospital on july 5th so i can go see an orthopedic surgeon i don't know if i need surgeries she's just she's an orthopedic surgeon yeah so hopefully by july 5th i mean that's that's on tuesday tuesday Tuesday, yeah tuesday next week so then I'm at like a week and a bit, a week and a bit. Hopefully I'm hoping by three weeks I can be back at work. Mm-hmm. So I'm really hoping that when I see her, she'll be like, yeah, okay. I think you'll be good to go by three weeks. You can mm-hmm. get back to work. And then I just have another week and a half. Yeah, exactly. Another week and a half of you being bored. I'm so goddamn <laughs> bored. I'm so fucking bored. I hate it. And I can't sit still. Like ask Diana, I'm a fidgeter. I'm a pacer yeah. Yeah. and I'm supposed to stay off my feet. Normally, normally we send each other a lot of memes. Yeah. She's like (laughs) quadrupled that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm getting way more memes, which I'm fine with. It's hilarious, but it's just like, I can tell you're fucking bored out of your mind. I am so goddamn bored. (laughs) Anyways. Should I let that just in? She's like crying at the door. Yeah, sure. Let her in. 
Oh, oh I can hear her. I know. That's why I'm like, she's crying. Oh, come here, baby. Come here. This I know my Chantal's love. Great Dane is here today, and she's crying at the door. So now she's in and smelling everything and wondering what the fuck we're doing. Hey, Dad, just lay down before you knock something over, please. No, 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 not the chair. You won't fit. Lay down. She might. She's skinny. Really? You yeah. think she'll fit in there? Okay. I think she will. Okay, jump up. Let's see. Can you fit up there? Come oh, on. it's her leg. Hold on, poor thing. Oh, there we go. See, I told you. <laughs> just barely. Look, she can't bear. She can't bend that leg yeah. properly. So yeah. it's just. She's fine. <laughs> and her tail's going. She's happy. There you go. <laughs> she just doesn't want to be alone. No, yeah. Now she's a happy dog. Yeah. Thump, I wonder. Thump, if, thump, thump. Right? I wonder if we'll hear the thumping in the video or the recording. Probably. There. She's. She's good now. Silly pup. Okay. Anyways. Okay. As far as bad luck, that was just the other... I think there's nothing else that happened that was bad luck. I think it was just that, right? My truck's been acting up. Well, we, yeah, we yeah. made that. My truck started coding yesterday. The engine light started flashing and it's never done that before. I think it needs new O2 sensors or it could need a f new fuel filter mm -hmm. or the catalytic converters are plugged. Yeah. Because it's having exhaust issues and it's very, very recent. It happened like literally overnight last week. It went from running fine. That truck hasn't given me any problems since I replaced the transmission in it. Yeah. It's ran fine. And then, yeah, now it's starting to like idle really rich and really rough. Yeah. I think it, it started the day before your tire went flat. Like I think, it yeah, day, it was, it was yeah. The day before. It was a day before that, and now it's just, like, getting worse, so, like, fuck. Yeah, because I thought, I was like, your truck is still on. You're like, no, it's not, and I'm like, yeah, never, the, it's never done that before. I know the fan keeps running, yeah. and Jamie and I think there's the relay is fucked in it, and that the relay is causing the fan to keep going, and it's causing my battery to die. Well, yeah, because like, it's just constantly... Drawing power. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's so, why I said bring your starter yeah, cables. Yeah, cables. Yeah, I yeah. As soon as I got my truck jumped at home, I was like, Jamie, I'm I'm taking the cables yeah. with me. There's no way. Because you might need them. Yeah, I you... don't think my truck's gonna start when I leave today. I think well, you're no, gonna have to jump me. You've been here what three days now? I yeah, and this is day four, but this... I've been here for three no. nights. I've been here since Tuesday, but it was Tuesday night when I got here. Tuesday night. Tuesday Wednesday. Yeah, holy shit, okay. Yeah, but I guess it hasn't quite been four days because, yeah, no. I got here at, like, 9.30 Yeah, no, on it, Tuesday. it hasn't been four days. So. We've been doing lots of podcast stuff and other stuff. Yeah. Like hot tubbing and... Cleaning. Cleaning and hot tubbing. <laughs> <laughs> talking. Stuff. Yeah, well, talking. yeah. Yeah, we've needed to do some talking. Like, everything's fine between us, but just needed to do some talking. I needed my bestie. Right? Ditto. Just dealing with shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's just it, right? Diane and I are attached at the hip and we're each other's ride or die. So, uh, yeah, we talk about, <laughs> like, pretty much everything together. Yeah, it's been nice. And then I'm going up tomorrow. Yep. And spending the night there. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just move in. Right? Well, the plan is, yep. everyone doesn't know, the plan is to get a huge piece of property, build our homes, yep. and then an underground tunnel... That her and I can use, because then this way we avoid snow and shit like that. Yep. And we're going to have a girl cave. Yep. Down there. We can get to each other's homes through yep. this tunnel. We've been talking about it for, I don't know, six years? Yeah. So Seriously. It's going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, we should all just move in together. Absolutely. Or at least have that. Yeah. So it will happen eventually. Oh, for sure. It'll yep. Great. And then the animals are going to love it. Oh my God. Yeah. Because they can go back and forth. <laughs> yeah. If we chose to allow it anyway. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No boys allowed. Great. Nope. No kids. No boys allowed. No kids allowed. Nope. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this is our secret Fuck tunnel. Off. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, not kidding. <laughs> 
No, we'll have to soundproof it so we don't hear anything. Yeah, <laughs> so nothing. they're crying on the other side. Obviously, there's going to be a parent or an adult with oh, them. Of course, yeah. But we don't have to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. When we're in there, that's right. Yeah. 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 I mean, the girls are going to be older, obviously, by that point, but still. And then you have your animals and your barking and your whatever. So what I want to do is I want to have a spa-like room down there. Mm-hmm. I think that would be great. And then have a theater kind of set up. Yeah, it'd be sick. And who knows? Maybe we can even put our studio down there. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, actually. We can have two studios. We can have the one down there and then we can have one like outside. <laughs> Should we? It will be. Should we talk about the studio that we're going to design here? Yes. In your house? Let's think, talk about that. I think we maybe mentioned that. Oh, did we? Oh, I okay. I think so. So I have a five-bedroom home and, well... One of them's mine. One of them is my office, which we're sitting in right now. Then Josh has a, his room. And then the other two are spare rooms. But one of them I'm using as storage right now because, I mean, I just, just kept piling furniture in there. And then it was like, all right, <laughs> storage room. But I do want to get that out. So the other one is a guest room. It's um, like my room. <laughs> it is Chantal's room. Yeah. I just don't even make, like, you make the bed and then it just yeah. stays because yeah. you're the only one that keeps coming back and sleeping <laughs> yeah. there. So it's your room. I call it my room. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. Even Cecily, when she was here yesterday, said, you know, something about your room, mom. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong, Mouse. That's, that is mom's room. So I have this other room and I was, this year, I want to get that furniture out because I'm going to redo it. Like, I want to strip it and re redo it to put in my room and then it's going to be an open space and I was going to make it a guest room. It's very rare that I need two guest rooms. Yeah. And then in my office, I have a, a futon and I have another futon in the kitchen. So I've got spaces for people to sleep if needed. But anyway, so we're taking that room and we decided we're making it our studio and I'm so excited because mm -hmm. then it'll be permanent. I want to have a futon or a cot or something in there. Yeah. So it can still be used as a space like that. I want a TV in there in case we want to watch TV if we're in there whatever, but it'll be our den. Yeah. Um, so I'm really excited about it. So I want to go paint shopping soon. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited too. It's going to be so, so fun. Yeah. It's going to be so fun. It'll be fun decorating it together. I can't wait to get like a cork board. Yes. For in there and then put up ideas and pictures and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. The celebrations when we get our blue check mark and totally. stuff and all that. Have crime scene photos with arrows yeah. pointing <gasps> to each other. Josh is going to be coming in and going like, <laughs> what the fuck? You guys are so fucked. <laughs> Do the like yeah the pictures with yeah, all the like, strings. strings. Yeah. We should totally do that. And That's just such a, a good piece idea. Of art. Yeah, that is such a good idea, Diana. I know. I'm brilliant. You are brilliant. <laughs> sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. sometimes That's I'm, brilliant. I'm pretty brilliant. But um, yeah, I, I thought about it. I want to do that because I think it'll be a cool piece of art in there. Yeah, it would be. Studio? It would be. It's gonna be awesome. That's a sick piece of art for a, mm -hmm. yeah a murder podcast studio. Just yeah, like a bunch of murders tied together and shit. Fuck yeah. yeah. The deer that <laughs> keeps coming back to visit Frank came back again today and stood right in front of my big bay window, just staring. <laughs> <laughs> but Duchess is nor like normally not here, so Duchess obviously is as big as the deer, goes running up to the window, and the deer ran up the rock face. But it was just like staring Frank. She was down. just like standing there, just staring. <laughs> And yeah, she was like, are you coming out? Yeah, are we going to do this? We're going to fuck your shit up again? <laughs> she wants to fuck his shit up. Yeah, she does not like Frank. No, well, because he keeps attacking. He won't bite or anything, but he'll charge at them. Yeah, and it's like, Barker, dude, yeah. you're as big as her head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, give it up, Frank. But he's, no, he's got to be this big, tough guy. And he charges and barks. But he won't actually do anything. Yeah. Just charges and barks. And of course, you know, who the fuck wants that? Like, <laughs> right? So now she keeps coming back and challenging yeah. him. <laughs> it's so funny. 
Like when I was outside yesterday morning and I could hear the rustling behind me, I looked and I could see her coming down the hill, the same hill she came down yep. before. And I'm like, oh yeah, you back for more, eh? Mm-hmm. Like, you want me to go get him? <laughs> we should post that video. We totally should. <laughs> yeah, I got a funny video of it. It's pretty cute. Yeah, we'll definitely put it up on our Instagram and whatnot. Yep, it's great. Yep. Today's Canada Day. Happy Canada Day, y'all. Happy Canada Day, everyone. Yeah, we're not doing anything, which is weird. Normally we do something, but... Yeah, normally. It's been an exhausting few days. It's been... Yeah, it's been an exhausting few days, few weeks. Yeah. Well, yes, that yeah. too. But we've had our fun. We have. Personally, for myself, like speaking for myself, I've actually been rather hesitant to celebrate Canada Day the last few years too. Yeah. In light of all the Indigenous children being found and stuff. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't we already, celebrate last year at all. Yeah, neither did I. No. no. I mean, we've always known about it, but so much more is being uncovered. Once again, Canada seems to be forgetting about it like, and it reminds everyone that we're not the perfect country that the world seems to think that we are or has thought for so long. No. There's a lot of genocide on our hands, so. There is. It's it's, so fucking sad. It is. It's a lot to bear in mind in Canada Day, so. But, yeah, no, I didn't do anything last year. I really don't fucking feel like doing anything this year. Mm -mm, It just feels kind of blah. It's just like, happy Canada Day, okay. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Which is unusual. I can't speak for you, but for me, normally I'm downtown. I'm wearing a flag around my neck, like, as a cape. Yeah, when we went downtown that one year, you wore your flag as a shirt. Oh, my God, that was so funny. Yeah, she wore it as a shirt. (laughs) But remember what happened? Yeah. It was windy and it kept opening up. Oh, I know. Right? It's okay. You had a bra on. I did. But thankfully, I brought another shirt with me, so I put that on. Yeah. And then I think I tied the flag in my short belt loop. Something like that. And then I just had it, yeah, I just had it flapping beside me. Yeah. Which was so much better because, yeah, I thought it was, because I've worn the flag as a shirt before. Yep. But it happened to be windy that day, and it kept opening it up. And then you you were like blocking me <laughs> trying to help me and i yeah. had duchess and she was a puppy and she was going ballistic just getting all excited because people yeah she was so <laughs> excited but anyways it just it just reminds me that half the year is gone almost it's almost fucking winter okay <laughs> <laughs> i know it's not technically but it feels like it for me already. it does <laughs> well if you think about it it's like holy shit september's right around the corner it is like we have july and august Yep. And if like you know think about how fast the months go by especially when you're like a busy adult and stuff yep like, I can't believe it's already July. It's July 1st. I know, it's nuts. What the fuck? Before we know it, it's going to be September. Before you know it, there's going to be snow on the ground. I know. Wait, we're going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be fucking snow <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> it is Canada. Right? Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. We can drive up to the Coquihalla. It's a huge highway that connects us to other cities. And they're so high up in the mountain, you can generally find snow this time of year, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, it's, it's cool. cool. It yeah. is cool. Well, yeah, when I went to Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, it, I mean, it wasn't like snow everywhere, but there was still snow. Yeah. Oh, for and sure. It was, and it was warm up there, which was weird. Mm-hmm. It was warm, but there was snow everywhere. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, one thing I've had to deal with in the last week is accepting that my animals are just getting older and older. And my little girl, Steffi, is 16 now. And in the last, I don't know, six months, roughly... She's been having a lot of accidents in the house. It's gotten to a point where it's all the time now, and it's frustrating stepping in it all the time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I bit the bullet and said, fine, I'm just going to get her a diaper, which I did. And I got one for Frank, too, because he will... Because he's also not young. He looks it, but he's 13 now. And they don't like them, (laughs) which, fair enough, it's it's different. Who likes wearing a diaper? No, (laughs) right? I guess nobody. They manage to keep getting them off, especially when they go through cat doors. 
it just slides the diaper right off. So I need to get him suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> and they exist for dogs. They do. Which is hilarious. They're so funny. So I'm going to have dogs in diapers and suspenders now. Which just makes me laugh so hard. Oh, yeah. It just makes me think of those old man sock suspenders. <laughs> Needing suspenders for your socks. Yay. And it just makes me laugh when they wear them with shorts. <laughs> shorts, suspenders, and socks. It's great. It's so fantastic. It's so fantastic. But yeah, it just, it's so sad to see your animals get to that point, but... It is what it is. And I got the reusable, or not, well, yeah, I guess reusable, like washable diapers. So I'm constantly fucking washing dog diapers now. Yep. <laughs> and it's a part of life of owning my old, old guys. Yep. It's just a reminder that they're all getting old and it just breaks my heart. I lost Einstein in February this year and mm -hmm. that was quite sad. He was a rescue. He was a bonded dog with Frank. So mm -hmm. when I got them, Frank was nine and he was 14 and a half. So he was 18 when he passed away, which is old. And because he was morbidly obese and had other health issues, we just assumed he wouldn't live past a year, but <clears throat> I didn't want him dying there. So the fact that I got four years out of him was fantastic. I put him on a strict diet. He lost all yeah. the weight. And all of a sudden he was, because he could barely walk. I remember he was so enormous yeah, for and, his size. And he's a small dog. Okay. He should be anywhere from four to five pounds. He was about 11 pounds. Yeah. He was double and a little bit his weight. And his legs were like as thin as a finger. Yeah, they were like chicken legs. Little, like little chicken bones. teeny weeny chicken bone legs. Yeah. yeah. He so, was a very tiny chihuahua. Very small. Very small. So great. I yeah, loved it. Yeah, it was so cute. He was like pocket size. He was. And he always sat on my desk while I worked because he was half the size of my cats. Yeah, he <laughs> was one of my cats. tiny. They were so confused when I brought him home. <laughs> like, what are you? Like, what is that? <laughs> they were so... It smells like a dog, but... It doesn't look like doesn't one. look like one because we had Darwin who also passed away. He was a bullmaster for so big boy. And so they're used to big dogs, Duchess, yeah. Nova, and then there's this thing. Yeah. What are you? <laughs> what is that? It's not a bunny. It's not. It smells like a dog. But yeah, so he was great. I still cry because he was just so fantastic. He was the sweetest old man ever. And I'm happy I gave him an extra four years because mm -hmm. they didn't think he would survive that long. So... I have Darwin tattooed on my leg, and I've got my next tattoo appointment booked for November, so I'm getting Einstein added to my leg and a couple of my other animals. So my leg will be completely covered in animal tattoos, and that makes me very happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's still great to look down every time I miss Darwin, and he's just right there. Yeah, hey. My boy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's nice having Duchess around because she's was his buddy. Oh, they were so close. <laughs> they were. And she's big like him, so it's nice to have that presence. I don't miss cleaning up the poop. Yeah, the big dog shits. Fuck that. I do yeah, not man. miss cleaning up. I call them dinosaur poops. Yeah. I do not miss that part of it. It was nice to have chihuahuas for a while because it was like, it would take 10 of their poops to make, and I'm talking all three of them, not just yeah, one. Not all just three one, of yeah. them, 10 of their poops to make one of their poops. Yeah. It was great. It is great. <laughs> so it is nice to have smaller dogs in that sense. But I do miss the big dog. I miss Einstein. I miss the small, itty-bitty, pocket-sized dog. I miss yeah, it right? so much. But, yeah, Steffi, she's, like I said, she's she's kind of up there in age. And I don't know how much longer I have with her. But now she's in diapers, poor thing. She'll be in suspenders soon. 
I can't wait. I can't wait to see photos. Oh my God. When Diana told me, she was like, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I'm getting diapers for the dogs. And I knew it was going to happen. I knew eventually it you were going to be happen. like, that's that's it. I'm fucking done. I'm done. Yeah. yeah, I knew it. And you needed it for your sanity too. And it, it's mm-hmm. going well other than them pulling them off. But when she told me that she was getting the diapers... I remember saying, I wonder if there's dog suspenders, like, so, yeah, suspenders to keep the diapers up. So I immediately, am, like, searched it yeah. on Amazon. Sure as shit, there's dog suspenders. And I was dying. I thought Sent I said that to you first. Sent her a screenshot. Was I right? thought I said that to you first because I was like, I don't know if they're going to keep them on. I think I might need some oh, dog suspenders. Oh, maybe it was you who said <laughs> yeah. it then. Yeah, it could have been you who said it. And, and then, then, yeah, you researched it right away. And boom, you sent me these photos. I was like, I knew so it. fucking funny. I knew it. There has to be. I mean... <laughs> Animals don't like that kind of shit, right? Yeah. So they're not like a kid or a, an adult where you can reason with them and say, no, bad, leave them on. Yeah. Oh, she's falling off, poor thing. She can so, like barely fit on this chair. You can open it up. There's the recliner part. I was just thinking that. Yeah, I was open looking the recliner at it and part. I was like, I'll open it up for her. No, no she's like, just... what the hell is going on? Okay, it's okay, baby. Maybe have her jump back up and then, oh, there you go. Okay, Duchess here. Come on, come back. Good girl. There you go. I got a little more room. room. Oh, she's playing my guitar with her tail. <laughs> Lay down, baby. <laughs> Lay down, Duchess. She plays it better than I do. Oh, it's so cute. Duchess, come on. Lay down. I don't want it to lean over either. Yeah, I'd catapult her. I'd catapult her into <laughs> you. Imagine. Right into the laptop. Fuck. All right. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Okay. So dog suspenders, it will be hilarious. It will be hilarious. And I'm sure they're going to hate me a little bit more because of it. But yeah, we got to keep those fucking things on, man. And like I said, it's usually when they go through the cat door that it pulls them off. I can usually keep them on when she's sleeping, but once in a while I'll wake up and they're off. But oh man, I was just done stepping in pee Mm -hmm. all the time. Right. And you just kind of hope it's not going to get worse. And then it just keeps getting worse. But I will forever have animals. I will always have animals. I'm always rescuing the older guys. And I know that it comes with all of these issues. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure I'm going to be in diapers one day. <laughs> yeah, we may be exactly. It's fucking so. suck. But I'm sure it's going to happen. Yeah. I'll remember my dogs in suspenders when that right. happens. <laughs> I might get some hot pink suspenders for myself <laughs> if I ever get going to diapers. Get some funky colored suspenders. Might as well. Right? Rock it. Absolutely. <laughs> Be fabulous about it. Be fabulous about it. And if they don't have funky suspenders, I'll, I'll make it happen. Just, yeah, put them right on your diaper. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit. At that point, why would I care? <laughs> right? At that point, I will not give a shit. Totally. So, we will get into our stories. Who went first last week? Was it me? I think I it was me. I think it was you. Okay. Yes. So, you should go. Okay. Okay, I'm so excited to hear your story, too. Yeah, oh. I can't wait. As I was writing it earlier, <laughs> like, I was finishing it up anyway, mm-hmm. I started gagging on the couch, and Chantel yep. was like, do you have a cough? And I was, like, trying not to vomit. Yeah. It did strike a chord, so I can't wait to tell mine, and I can't wait to hear yours. When I was proofreading my story not long ago on the couch, I was thinking about it, and you may actually know about this, and okay. you'll know why. Okay. So I'll get to that. You may actually may be like, oh my god, okay. I fucking remember that happening. All right. I'll cite my sources, Wikipedia and torontosun.com. Okay. So I named my story woman to woman trigger warning for rape, torture, kidnapping, humiliation, and of course, murder listeners discretion is strongly advised. So my story is kind of a combination of two people, but I'm trying to focus on one person, like the main murderer 
psychopath, okay. but it does include two people. Okay. So it's about Paul Bernardo. <laughs> I wondered right? if that's who you are going to talk yeah, about. Yeah, okay. Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. Yeah. And I wondered if you would know about it because they were oh, in ter- they were in Ontario, time. right? Yeah, because they yeah. were like in Scarborough and everything. Exactly. So. so, yeah, I thought about that. I was like, I bet you any money Diana probably remembers this happening. I fucking know. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. I'm sure you were scared too. I mm-hmm. know like he was attacking young women. Yeah. He was fucking psychotic. Yeah. He raped 14 women, murdered three, attempted to rape six more women. But apparently he had bragged and I'll, I'll explain this in the story yeah. as well, that he bragged about raping 30 women. Yeah. And then of course she was an accomplice. It's horrible. So anyways, okay. So it's th- Ken and Barbie, the Ken and Barbie story. Yeah, the story. Ken and Barbie story, which I don't understand for him because I don't find him attractive in the slightest. Neither do I. Not and in the fucking everything slightest. everything talked about how attractive he's so he was. good looking. I'm like, no, he's not. He's like, Ew, really? I know. I mean, I guess to some people. Well, I mean, right. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Totally. But right? I did not. I do not now, find him attractive at all. I know. I have a pretty strict type. You have a very, <laughs> very distinct type. It's actually yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's Chantel's type right there. I don't have a type necessarily at all, actually. It's kind of funny, but you are like, boom, that's my type. And I don't even mean to. I know you don't. I don't mean to. It's just, that's what I'm attracted to. I know. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, exactly. And yeah, when I see any pictures of like actors or people that and I always send them to you because I know <laughs> you're going to be like, yep, <laughs> I'm yep. usually right. Yep. Yeah, she's, she's, she's usually hot. Or she's usually hot. I am am usually hot. Yes, she is. Not right now, but I am usually hot. Yes, she is. Absolutely. Yeah, Diana's Diana's a bombshell. Um, Thanks, my dear. You're welcome. Not only is she hot, but she's right. And that's even better than being hot. I don't know, man. Do I wish I had? No, I don't. I do not have a type at all. And honestly, I think that's almost even better. Yeah. I always just thought that was kind of weird. I don't anymore. But you definitely do. I know. <laughs> I could write a description of it. Right? Yeah. And like, it's definitely not coming from a place of being shallow. No, it's what you find attractive. It's just what I find attractive. And I mean, obviously, physically speaking, yeah. of course, it's not news that when we see someone, yeah. that's the first thing we're going to be attracted to before they even speak is well, what they look like. But of course, there's other things like I love intelligence, intellectual yeah. conversations, but physically the speaking, initial yeah, attraction. I'm pretty rigid. And sometimes with that said, though, on the flip side, there has been times where, you know, like back in the day when I was single and stuff where I may see someone that I work with or whatever that I didn't initially find attractive at all. Yeah. But then the more that we talk and stuff, exactly. they become attractive yep. because you get to know their mind and everything. Yep. And then other things become attractive. Yep. And then you start to see physical attractions as well. So it's totally. funny how that happens. I was going to I was going to comment on that. Yeah. As well. So go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. There have been times where I've not been attracted to someone physically, but then get to know them. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, they're attractive. And it's weird to think back how they weren't attractive, but now you don't see it anymore. Now you see the attraction. It's weird how our brains work. It's interesting. It's a lovely thing. Anyway, I'm excited. I want to hear your version of it. I've heard so many versions of this. Yeah. So many versions. I'm curious to hear yours, but I know the whole story, but yes. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure a lot of listeners will be like, yep. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this as well. For sure. That's okay. I'm excited. All right. All right. Go on. So, yeah. Okay. So Paul Kenneth Bernardo also known as Paul Jason Teal, was born on August 27th, 1964 in Scarborough, Ontario. Paul also had two older siblings named Debbie and David. That's all the information I could find on their age, just that they're older than Paul. 
All three siblings grew up in eastern metropolitan Toronto with parents Marilyn and Kenneth Bernardo. I meant to mention, I guess everybody has gathered by now, this is obviously another Canadian murder. So I meant to mention that at the beginning. Obviously, spoiler alert, Toronto. At an early age, the kids were subjected to a very toxic home life and rampant abuse. Their father, Kenneth, sexually abused his daughter, Debbie, fondled a young girl, and was charged with child molestation in 1975. The aftermath of their father's horrific abuse and behavior caused their mother, Marilyn, to withdraw from the family, and she ended up living in the family's basement suite from there on out. At first, Paul seemed like the perfect child. He was kind, well-mannered, cute, and even charming. This soon faded as Paul began developing very dark and sinister sexual fantasies. He began degrading and insulting women in public and beating women he'd date. When his mother, Marilyn, confessed that he was conceived during an affair she had, he was disgusted, lost respect for her, and openly began degrading and and insulting her as well. In October of 1987, Paul met Carla Homolka, and they were infatuated with each other immediately. Something that Paul loved about Carla was that, unlike other women he'd met, Carla didn't discourage his dark and twisted sexual fantasies. If anything, she encouraged them. By 1990, the couple were engaged, but that didn't stop Paul from being extremely perverse and inappropriate with Carla's younger sister, Tammy, whom was 15 at the time. Paul became obsessed with Tammy and would sneak into her room while she slept and masturbate. Carla helped Paul accomplish this by breaking the window locks to her sister's room. Right? Carla also accompanied Paul in raping her sister by stealing Valium from the veterinary clinic she worked at. She drugged her sister's spaghetti, causing her to lose consciousness. Paul raped her while Carla watched. Moving forward to 1991, six months before their wedding, Carla stole from her veterinary clinic employer again, this time taking halothane, which is an anesthetic. On December 23, 1990, both Carla and Paul drugged Tammy with sleeping pills through rum and eggnog. Once unconscious, Carla smothered her sister with a halothane-soaked cloth over her nose and mouth. The reason for this sinister act, Carla wanted to give Paul her sister's virginity for Christmas. It should also be noted that Paul was disappointed when he found out that he wasn't Carla's first sexual partner. (laughs) What a fucking piece of shit. Right? God. After smothering her with halothane, the two drugged Tammy downstairs to the basement and filmed her being raped by both of them. Carla also put on Tammy's clothes and role-played as Tammy. After a while, Tammy began throwing up and they attempted to revive her. Unsuccessful, they then resorted to calling 911. Before emergency personnel or the parents were woken up, Carla and Paul hid the evidence of what they had done. One of the most devastating conclusions of Tammy being murdered was the fact that nothing was investigated, despite a mountain of very suspicious evidence, such as Carla and Paul claiming to be doing housework in the middle of the night and the chemical burns on Tammy's face. Homolka's family and the coroner accepted their turn of events and her death was ruled as accidental, choking on vomit after heavily drinking. Not long after the death, both Carla and Paul moved out of her parents' house to let them grieve. Hmm. How fucking thoughtful. I would also like to point out the enormous white privilege already. Yeah. And because he's pretty, according to them, too. Yeah. Like, beauty has something to do with it. You know, I hate to say it, but it does. Absolutely, it does. People who are attractive tend to get away with a lot more. Yep. And then, obviously, yeah, you throw in the fact that you're Caucasian. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to fly under the radar a whole lot more than a... And I hate using this term. I hate it, but a minority. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? Totally. So, I'm going to go into a chronological timeline 
I'm going to skip back three years because I just mentioned what happened in 1990, but now I'm going to list some other victims. Mm -hmm. I won't go into great detail into all these victims, and I hate not doing that, but it's because otherwise this would be 10 pages long. Yeah. Right? So I'm still going to give an overview of his other victims, and then I will be sharing a brief story of another rape or two more rape murder victims of them. May 14th of 1987... Paul raped a 21-year-old Scarborough woman in front of her parents' house after he followed her home. May 14th of 1987, rape of a 19-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house. July 17th of 1987, he attempted to rape a young woman. Although he beat the victim, he abandoned the attack when she fought back. September 29th of 1987, he attempted the rape of a 15-year-old girl. Paul broke into a house in Scarborough and entered the victim's bedroom. He jumped on her back, put his hand over her mouth, threatened her with a knife, and bruised the side of her face and bit her ear. Paul fled when the victim's mother entered the room and screamed. Anthony Hanemeyer, I hope I'm saying that right, Anthony Hanemeyer, who was 19 years old at the time of this attack, was convicted of the sexual assault in 1989 and served a 16-month prison sentence, but was exonerated after Bernardo admitted to the crime in 2006. (laughs) December 16th of 1987, Paul raped a 15-year-old girl again. The next day, Metropolitan Police issued a warning to women in Scarborough traveling alone at night, especially those riding buses. December 23rd of 1987, he raped a 17-year-old girl with a knife he used to threaten his victims. At this point, he began to be known as the Scarborough Rapist. April 18th of 1988, Paul attacked a 17-year-old girl. May 25th of 1988, Paul was nearly caught by a uniformed Metro Toronto investigator staking out a bus shelter, although the investigator noticed Paul hiding under a tree and pursued him on foot, but he escaped. May 30th, 1988, he raped an 18-year-old woman in Mississauga, Ontario, about 40 kilometers southwest of Scarborough. October 4th of 1988, he attempted the rape in Scarborough or sorry, unattempted rape in Scarborough. Although his intended victim fought him off, he inflicted two stab wounds to her thigh and butt, which required 12 stitches. November 16th of 1988, the rape of an 18-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house. How did this guy never get fucking caught? Yeah, I know. He was pretty fucking sneaky. It's, but there's witnesses. There's eyewitnesses of shit that happened. Yeah. (sighs) November 17th, 1988. Metro Police formed a task force to capture the Scarborough Rapist. December 27th, 1988, attempted rape with a neighbor chasing Paul off. June 20th, 1989, attempted rape. The young woman fought and her screams alerted neighbors. Paul had scratches on his face. August 15th, 1989, rape of a 22-year-old woman. November 21st of 1989, rape of a 15-year-old girl Paul saw in a bus shelter. December 22nd of 1989, Rape of a 19-year-old woman. And then May 26 of 1990, rape of a 19-year-old woman. His victim's vivid memory of her attacker allowed police to create a computer composite portrait, which was released two days later and published in Toronto and surrounding area newspapers. Sorry for that very long list. That was crazy. Yeah. It's, but... I just wanted to give them recognition, but I know yeah. that was a lot to list off. On June 7th of 1991, Carla invited a befriended 15-year-old girl from a pet shop for a girl's night out. After an eventful and fun evening, Carla drugged this victim, known as Jane Doe, with alcohol-laced halcyon, which is a nervous system suppressant tranquilizer. Once this girl lost consciousness, Carla called Paul to inform him that his surprise wedding present was ready. Paul videotaped Carla raping the young girl before he joined in. 
When she woke up the next day, she had no idea she had been raped. Just shy of two months later, Jane Doe was asked to come back to their house where she was drugged and raped by both of them again. The girl stopped breathing and 911 was called, but when she regained consciousness, the ambulance was cancelled and nothing was questioned. Thankfully, she survived. On the evening of June 14, 1991, Leslie Mahaffey, born on July 5th of 1976, was out with her friends having some drinks and playing music. Before long, her 11 p.m. curfew came to an end, and before Leslie knew it, she became very fearful of returning home and landing herself in some serious trouble with her parents. Although Leslie was described as a very intelligent young woman and loyal friend, Leslie was also stubborn and known to be rebellious with her parents, testing her boundaries frequently. By 2 a.m., Leslie called her friend's mother and asked her to pick her up to avoid a certain wrath from her parents. Her friend's parent denied her request and told her she'd have to go home and face the music. By this time, it was 2.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I'm willing to bet that that parent deeply regrets not coming to her rescue because that was the last time Leslie was ever seen or heard from. I know. That must have weighed so hard on that Probably. But I understand why she did it. I understand, too. But at the same time... I know. Really? You're going to... Really? I know. And I've done it for Josh's friends because you just don't know. Because that was it for her. Yep. It's awful. Much to Leslie's dismay, Paul was scouring the streets looking for his next victim. Growing bored of strictly sexually assaulting and raping women, Paul was determined to find a girl and kidnap her. Paul gained Leslie's attention when she was in her backyard, so unbelievably close to avoiding his unspeakable carnage. Well, with that said, not necessarily considering he broke into people's homes and raped women in their bedrooms, but you know what I mean. Being charming, dressed nicely, and textbook handsome, and it's funny because we already talked about this, I have in brackets, depends on who you ask because he doesn't do (laughs) shit for me in terms of looks. It's true. Right? Yeah, totally subjective. Leslie asked him if he had a cigarette, and that's where Paul lured her into his car. She insisted the doors remain open, but Paul pulled a knife on her and demanded she close her door. I'd like to interject and say that I don't want anyone judging Leslie for being lured by Paul. For one, he was an adult and a fucking piece of shit pedophile. He was a predator and knew how to groom his victims. Young girls are usually the target for these sick fucks too, because they're less inclined to stand their ground against an adult. Yep. Furthermore, she was a very young and impressionable teenager. She was in a state of anxiety for going past curfew. Yep. She was under the influence of alcohol and certainly not making any rational decisions. No. Also, for those who may not be aware, at a very young age, women are programmed to be agreeable with men and not say or do anything that could offend them, therefore directly putting us in danger. 100%. I know with certainty that women from around the world of all walks of races ages and cultures will agree with this statement so please keep judgment and victim blaming in check leslie was brought back to paul and carla's house between 3 and 4 a.m after raping her in their guest room paul woke carla up and told her that he kidnapped a girl and she was in the house and that now it was time for his fiance to join him leslie was led into their bedroom and was told that if her blindfold slipped she'd be killed Leslie's horrific and brutal rape, torture, and humiliation was videotaped, of course, and the details are beyond sinister. Paul brutally raped and tortured Leslie and degraded her as a woman. Paul constantly questioned Leslie about her memory regarding what he looked like in fear that she may be able to identify him to police. She sobbed, insisting she knew nothing, didn't remember what he looked like, and wouldn't say anything to anyone, and pleaded to be released. Leslie said she wanted to go home and see her little brother. That fucking killed me. Oh, I know. That fucking killed me when I was reading that. Yeah. Like, when I was sitting beside you and I was like this and stuff reading it. Yeah, I remember. It was at this point with her and I was just like, 
Paul didn't believe her reassurances and pulled Carla aside, telling her that she must be killed. Carla insisted she be sedated first so she didn't feel any pain, as if she wasn't already in unspeakable physical, mental, and emotional pain. An hour prior to this, Leslie turned to Carla, woman to woman, and begged her for mercy and for her help, only to be betrayed and strangled to death by an electric cord. Leslie's body was wrapped into a blanket and placed in their cold cellar. Unfortunately, the discovery of Leslie's body was narrowly avoided by it being exposed when Carla's mother almost went into the cellar for potatoes. Paul decided that Leslie's body needed to be dismembered in order to never be found. Two weeks after Leslie's disappearance, two fishermen discovered the young girl's body in a shallow end of Lake Gibson, attached to blocks of cement. Her body was slaughtered into 10 pieces, and dental records confirmed it was Leslie Mahaffey. At the time of discovery of her remains, Paul and Carla were on their way to their posh wedding in Niagara Falls. Of course they were. Right, Ken and Barbie. Right. Leslie would have been 46 today, and she aspired to be a marine biologist. Oh, she's only two years older than me. Yep, she's only two years older than you. Deepest condolences to her family yes. and friends. Yeah. So fucking heartbreaking. It is. Then on April 16th, 1992... Kristen French was walking home from Holy Cross Secondary School, a Catholic school in St. Catharines. Both Paul and Carla approached Kristen at the entrance of the Grace Lutheran Church parking lot under the pretense of needing directions. While Kristen was assisting Carla with directions, Paul attacked her from behind and forced her into the car at knife point. The kidnapping was seen by several eyewitnesses. I know. Like, what the fuck? For three days. What's right? People are afraid to get involved. Yeah. Always. And that's why I always remember being taught this when I was younger is don't scream help. Scream fire. Yeah. Because nobody cares about help. No. No one will come running if you're screaming help. Yeah. But if you scream fire, people will pay attention. And like, how sad is that? Yeah. It's so sad. It's, if I heard somebody screaming help, I'd be running. Like, I know. But again, but yeah, like, no, it's, I know. it's less yeah. when people scream. And again, I remember being taught this as a kid. Yeah, same. And I didn't understand. I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> you scream help, people should help, right? Yeah, no, right. No, no. You scream fire, then they come running. Yep. For three days, Kristen was held hostage. During these harrowing 72 hours, Paul and Carla videotaped themselves torturing and subjecting the 15-year-old to sexual humiliation and degradation while forcing her to drink a lot of alcohol. On April 19th of 1992, Kristen was murdered. On April 30th of 1992, her naked body was found in a ditch along Number 1 Side Road in North Burlington, Ontario. Finally, on February 17th, 1993, Paul Bernardo was arrested by police and sentenced to life imprisonment and, oddly enough, was granted the chance of parole after the initial 25-year sentence was carried out. Fuck. Yep. Which is fucking crazy with his history. <laughs> Not to mention, he scored 35 out of 40 on the psychopathy checklist, a psychological assessment tool used to assess the presence of psychopathy in individuals a clinical classification at his October 17, 2018 parole meeting, evidence from expert psychiatric reports found that he had, and I quote, deviant sexual interests and he met the diagnostic criteria of sexual sadism, voyeurism, and paraphilia, not otherwise specified, end quote. The reports furthermore stated that he, quote, met the criteria for narcissistic personality disorder and met the requirements for a diagnosis of psychopathy, end quote meaning he was thereby, quote again, more likely to repeat violent sexual offenses, end quote. The reports concluded that Paul was, sorry, there's so many fucking quotes, quote, okay. showed minimal insight into his crimes, which 
is consistent with file information that suggests he has been keen over the years to come up with his own substantiated reasons for his criminal behavior, end quote. During Paul's last hearing in 2018, Leslie's mother told the parole board that the murder of her only daughter cost her her career as a teacher and her marriage. Leslie was also a miracle child as Debbie battled a bout of ovarian cancer and was told she'd never be able to have children. Oh, yep. I forgot about that. Yep. Oh my Shh. God. Right? Yeah. <sighs> At the time, a week after they had marked the 30th anniversary of her death, Leslie's parents were forced to face the narcissistic psychopath who believed he'd been punished enough. Quote, this parole hearing process rips apart all the healing we have worked so hard to achieve and replaces the beautiful, protected memories of Leslie's life with us with familiar terror and uncertainty, end quote. I'm not actually sure who this quote is from, whether it's her mother or father, but I imagine it's one of the two. Thank the darkness, Paul yep. was denied parole. Yep. Fuck. It's astonishing how long it took police to find these two, specifically Paul, especially with eyewitnesses to kidnappings. Paul has claimed that he's a new man and has cried every day for 25 years over his crimes and deserves his freedom. I'm sure he's been crying because he's mad that he got caught. Probably. Not because he's like a, f a new man. A new man. Fuck him. Honestly, my closing statement for this story and for them is boo fucking who. Die lonely and rot in jail, Paul. Yep. Same goes for Carla, even though she's since been released and equally doesn't deserve any freedom whatsoever. In a way, it's even worse with Carla. She gained the trust of these underage girls, then threw them to the wolf and joined in on the brutality against women. It's comparable to Ghislaine Maxwell. Mm -hmm. Fuck them both. Yep. So that's the story of Ken and Barbie. And the bitch is out. And the bitch is she's fucking out. She's married and yep. has a family. Lives in Quebec. Yep. Yep. Living her life that she does not deserve. No, she does not. Nope. She should be where he is. Absolutely. That's horrible. Yes. I, again, I knew, I well, know this story very, very fucking well because I grew up with it. Like, yeah. Seeing it in the news and shit, right? And I worked in Scarborough. I worked in Toronto. I worked like, ugh, I don't know. And I used to take the bus. Do, do you have any experiences you can shed light on it with it? I mean, other than what you've said, but was there anything specific that, that happened or? Living in Toronto, you were just public transportation was was it yeah and you were so used to seeing strange people at yeah. the bus it was just normal so you wouldn't even think twice about it i can see how he would get in there with some of these people because you were just so used to seeing all walks of life and yeah people that were drunk people that weren't you saw people pit like I, I witnessed people pissing in the bus when i was on it on the on the bus in the bus like in the bus in the bus i was i can like the wow. streetcar because there's the bus there's the streetcars so the toronto transit commission so ttc so they have buses and then they have you know what streetcars are right like they're the cable yeah 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 anyway. yeah and then the yeah. subway right so you saw all sorts of shit man i can imagine it's a big city yeah and if someone started so. pissing on the bus you got up and went to the front or you just moved away from oh it It was just God. normal wow it was just normal so it kind of scares me because i used to take like there are certain parts of toronto where the bus runs 24 hours but yeah. others don't and how many times i would miss the last bus because of work or whatever yeah and yeah there have been times where i've been on the subways because that's underground so it's a little bit more sketchy than no being above kidding. ground and seeing people and it's like okay well try and stay your distance this is the night i'm gonna die yeah right you know luckily nothing happened to me but it just obviously wasn't the case with everyone yeah and this sack of shit 
needs to suck a bag of dicks. Sack of shits, but yes. Yes. Both of them. Both of them. Suck a bag of dicks and gag on them. Right? And die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're trash humans. They are trash humans. How can you rape your own sister and allow and someone to rape her. and gift her to your fiance? her virginity and then get and then they get mad that she wasn't a virgin <laughs> sorry i'm laughing but i'm like, no i know just i know like, yeah whoa it's an astonishment laugh it's not a funny laugh no i know what i know what you mean exactly yeah. it's just like holy fuck wow i know it's hard to wrap your brain around the psychology involved in that can you imagine how parents too finding out right that their other daughter like and especially right, their daughter. Yes. And especially her at the sister, beginning yeah. when they believed yeah. her and her fiance that what they said was true and <laughs> mourning with them and then finding out they're the ones that did it. I can't even imagine me what neither. the family was going through. No, me neither. Like the guilt, the shame, the everything. Yeah. Yeah. Just unbelievable. They had a very abusive relationship too. I know you didn't really touch on it, but he used to beat her all the time. Oh yeah. I actually, sir, shit. Sorry guys. Yeah. I meant to mention that. Yeah. He would beat the shit out of Carla. Yeah. He yeah. used to beat the shit out of her too. And Correct. that's yeah, how to mention that. she basically got out. Yeah. Was, well, I was forced to do it. That's right. Yeah. She did that yeah. bullshit. Yeah. That's and right. It's like, come on. But the, the deal they made was, okay, fine. Like obviously they didn't believe her, but it was like, give us what we need so we can get him in jail. And then, of course, she went too, but, like, her sentence was short. 12 years. Whatever, right? Yeah, it was 12 years. So that was the deal that they had to make yeah. to get him. But they all knew she was fucking lying through her teeth. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's sad, the whole thing. Like, I understand they had to do that to get him behind bars, but at the same time, the fucking bitch is free. Who the fuck would marry that, by the way? Right? Sir, or whoever the fuck you are. Wow. And then have kids with her? Mm-hmm. She did that to her own sister. Yeah, I know. I know I didn't touch a whole lot on all no, that. No, I know, I know. Yeah, I didn't. But yeah, she was sentenced to 12 years and it was carried out. She married her lawyer's brother. I know. Horrifying. Yep. Who does that? Well, apparently someone that like sees the, oh, you poor, you victim, you. Right? Just, ugh. Yeah, she was a victim in a sense where she was getting beat and stuff, but she didn't have to do the rest of that. No. She could have walked away. For sure. And she enabled it from the beginning. Yep. Right when she found out that Paul had these sadistic sexual fantasies, like I said, she let it happen. She, she encouraged did. it. She did. She broke the because locks on her sister's happy. window. Yeah. It made him happy. And she wanted him to be happy because she, again, looked at him like he was Ken. Like this beautiful Ugh. fucking thing. He was fucking ugly. He was so <laughs> he was is. fucking ugly. Yeah, no, she just yeah, is was ugly. very just, oh my, oh my, like panties wet right kind of you know i don't think she was anything to scream about she either was not either no that was what she wanted to make him happy yeah it's a fucked up story fucked up yeah it's super fucked everything. up i really hope her kids don't end up like her oh my god me too and don't suffer abuse from her and stuff like that right i really hope that they don't but you see her. I, I can see her. Like, I can picture yeah, her me face. Too. Like, you know who she is. Oh, There's fuck yeah. There's no way. And she was upset. I, I remember reading this, like, a long time ago. She was upset because she would go pick up her kids from school and everyone was, like, yelling at her and spitting on her and shit. And she's like, I'm just here to pick up my kids. Leave me alone. Or whatever. Ugh. And it's like, bitch, come on. Get someone else to pick up your kids, first of all. Because right? those four kids now are going to be spat on. And yeah. like, you, you know who your mother is? Yeah. I feel so bad for them because it's not their fault. Oh, me too. I know, right? To have it's like Casey Anthony too. Yeah, it's all just fucked up. 
Yeah, it's There's so a lot fucked of fucked up. up in this world. Yeah. My story is loads fucked up, too. Yeah, speaking of fucked up stories, yeah, let's hear yours, man. I I'm, can't wait. I'm excited to talk about... I mean, not excited, but excited to talk about my story. And I left a lot of shit out, by the way, guys. I did too. Because... There's still a lot of shit in there that probably will make people vomit. I was sitting on the couch <laughs> yep. earlier, dry heaving, and Chantal was like, are you okay? And I was like, trying not to vomit. <laughs> I thought she was coughing because she was coughing earlier. Yeah, nope. I was trying not to vomit. And I kept a lot of that out because it's... But I have a lot of detail. Just warning everybody, there is a lot of fucking detail of just not okay shit. Definitely murder. Just all of it is bad. What is there anything specific that people should know about? Yeah, I know. I'm just triggers? trying to think. I'm okay. like, what triggers rape, molestation for sure. Okay. Very gory details on what you can do to a body Lovely. after it's dead. Lovely. Let just that kind of stuff. I'm trying to think. What else can I? <laughs> it's just it's just a very triggering story. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean that. Yeah. I think that's good. It's enough. a very triggering story. Yeah. Okay. Here I go. All right, let's hear this. I can't wait. So my story is about Dennis Andrew Nilsson, a.k.a. the Kindly Killer and the Musewell Hill Murderer. Dennis Nilsson, and I will refer to him as Dennis throughout the episode, was born on November 23rd of 1945 in Fraserburgh, Fraserburgh, Fraserburgh. <laughs> <laughs> You're not right there? I'm good. Aberdeenshire, Scotland. I remember when I was laughing yesterday? Yeah. Because I typed in Aberdeen shit. Oh, yeah, right. Scotland. <laughs> and I was like, whoops. Anyway, Aberdeenshire, Scotland. He had two siblings and was the middle child. His father, Olaf Magnus Mokshim, was a Norwegian soldier who traveled to Scotland in 1940. He met Dennis's mother, Elizabeth Duthie White, in May of 1942 and got married. They moved into her parents' home. The family took on the last name of Nilsson. So, Dennis's dad didn't view married life seriously. He was busy with his duties with his free Norwegian forces and didn't spend much time with his family, nor try and find them a home so that they could move out of her parents' home. After Elizabeth had her third child, she came to the conclusion that she had rushed into the marriage without thinking, and she filed for divorce and was divorced by 1948. She basically became pregnant with all three kids while he was home visiting. Wow. And when he did, it was a week kind of thing. So she became <laughs> pregnant. That's how often they saw him. Wow. Or she saw him. Yeah. Elizabeth's parents, Andrew and Lily, never approved of her marriage and were very supportive after her divorce. Because that's what they wanted for her. That's amazing because normally divorce was so yeah. frowned upon back then. Totally. Especially but, for women to oh, do it. I know. Exactly. Yeah, because yeah, she filed for it. But yeah, no, they were just grateful because... They hated him. Yeah, like, he's a piece of shit. Good for you. Get away from him. Yep, he's a sack of shit. Well, that's awesome. Yep. Dennis was a quiet child. His earliest memories were of his family picnics with his mom and siblings and being carried on his grandpa's shoulders while taking long walks. These walks were generally alone with his grandpa, but his brother and sister would join sometimes. He described his grandparents to be very pious, cold, and dour, but was very close to his grandpa. He was only five years old, but he recalls these walks vividly. Quote, very long along the harbor, across the wide stretch of beach, up to the sand dunes, which rise 30 feet behind the beach and onto, I'm going to butcher this name, 
Inverolochy. Inverolochy. I don't know. I looked it up and it's on the northeast side of Scotland. Oh, yeah. It's like an area, like towns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Inner, Inverolochy. He described his childhood as happy and his grandpa being his, quote, great hero and protector, end quote. His grandpa was a fisherman and would be at sea a lot. Dennis said, quote, life would be empty for me until he returned. Aww. End quote. Yeah. Dennis's grandpa's health started to decline in 1951. Regardless of his health, he continued to work on the ship while at sea. And on October 31st of 1951, he had a heart attack and passed away at the age of 62. They returned his body to his home before he was buried. Dennis recalls as his most vivid memory, his mother crying, asking him whether he wanted to see his grandpa. He said yes and went to see him in his open coffin. His mom told him that his grandpa was sleeping and, quote, went to a better place, end quote. After his grandpa passed away, Dennis became very withdrawn and quiet. He would stand alone at the harbor watching the herring boats. He avoided any attempts of affection from family members and resented his mom, grandma, and later his stepdad for showing more affection for his brother and sister. He was very jealous of his brother Olaf Jr.'s popularity. He loved his little sister and was very close to her. She was the only family member he was close to at this time. When he was about 9 or 10 years old, he was at the beach alone and went into the water. The current was so strong he was almost dragged out to sea. He panicked but then recalls this sense of calm and he believed his grandpa was going to show up and pull him out. He was saved by an onlooker that dragged him to shore. Not long after he almost drowned, his mom moved out of her parents' home with her three kids. She later got married to Andrew Scott and had four more children within a four-year span. Can you imagine? No, seven kids. Like, fuck that. Being pregnant every year? Yeah, you spend your entire year just being pregnant? He didn't like his stepdad, saying he was hard, but grew to grudgingly respect him. In 1955, the family moved to Strichen, a village in Aberdeenshire, Scotland. When he hit puberty, Dennis realized he was gay. This did confuse him, and he felt a lot of shame, therefore keeping it a secret from his family and friends. He was attracted to males that were more feminine, so a lot of feminine features, and said they had similar features to his little sister, Sylvia. Once, he sexually fondled his sister. I was, yeah, like, what? Yep. Believing that his attraction to males with feminine features was due to the fact that he cared so much for his sister. He kept his attractions to other males secret, so he would make friends be attracted to them, but never, ever shared it. Never approaching them with his desires for them. Yeah. He said he was fondled by an older boy and liked it. In his words, he said he didn't find the experience unpleasant. <laughs> so he liked it. In other words, boing. Yeah, please do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> he did also fondle his older brother while he was asleep. His older brother did begin to suspect that Dennis was gay and would belittle him in public. He would call Dennis hen, which is a Scottish dialect for girl. Douchebag. Yeah. Dennis thought that he might be bisexual at some point because he had fondled his sister. As Dennis got older, he found his life in Strichen boring and suffocating. He said he respected his parents' efforts to provide and care for their family, but also resented them because they were poorer than most of his friends' families. He was embarrassed to invite anyone over to his home. When he was 14, he joined the Army Cadet Force, hoping this would help him escape 
his rural origins. He was an above average student and had a flair for art and history and hated sports. He finished school in 1961 when he was 16 and worked in a canning factory. He didn't know what path he wanted to take in life, didn't know what he wanted to do as a career. He was there for about three weeks and then decided he was going to join the army and wanted to train to be a chef. He passed the entrance exams and received official notice that he was to enlist for nine years. That's nuts. Nine years? Jesus. That's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. He excelled in his army duties and described the three years of training as, quote, the happiest of my life, end quote. He loved all the opportunities he had to travel, and his regiment took part in a ceremonial parade attended by the, both the Queen and Field Marshal Lord Montgomery of Alamein. His sexual feelings began to stir, and he did everything to keep this from his colleagues. He wouldn't shower with any of his fellow soldiers because he feared he would get an erection. He would bathe alone, and it also gave him the privacy to beat his meat like it owed him money. <laughs> prepared for that no that's why i was laughing Fuck, earlier dude. when i was rereading my story i was like <laughs> i forgot i put that in there <laughs> that was brilliant I well done thank you <laughs> <laughs> oh i was so not prepared for that well that's good that's hilarious okay <laughs> Oh my goodness, carry on. So, in 1964, he passed his initial catering exam and was assigned to the 1st Battalion of the Royal Fusiliers in Osnabrück, West Germany. I butchered that, I know, I'm sorry guys. Where he served as a private. He began to drink a lot to help with his shyness and on one occurrence drank with a German youth in his flat until they both passed out. He woke up on the floor... Nothing sexual happened, but this did start stirring up shit and brought up his sexual fantasies where he was involved with a younger, slender male being completely passive. These fantasies eventually evolved into his partner being unconscious or dead. Sometimes he would drink with his colleagues and pretend to be passed out drunk with the hopes that they would take advantage of him while unconscious. Wow. Yep. Two years later, he passed his official catering exam and was deployed to serve as a cook for the British Army in Norway. In 1967, he was deployed to work as a cook at the El Mansoura prison in Yemen. This was a very dangerous posting and recalls that they lost several men. Dennis was kidnapped by an Arab taxi driver and was beaten until unconscious and placed in the trunk of the cab. When he was dragged out of the trunk, he knocked the taxi driver to the floor and beat him unconscious and put him in the trunk. <laughs> Fuck around and find Itch. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? They both deserve yeah, it, I guess. Right? <laughs> Unlike his other posts, he had his own private room that gave him the privacy to masturbate whenever he wanted. So he choked his, his meat lots. <laughs> owed him a lot of money i know oh fuck i love that term by the way <laughs> like, i've never heard that before oh you haven't no <laughs> that's me like it owes some money that's hilarious <laughs> i've never heard that before that's hilarious it's so funny because you can picture it too oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah i'm not sure i want to but yes i know again 
So thank you for that mental image, Diana. You're very fucking welcome. It's even better now that I know you've never heard it. I just made it better. Right? Right? <laughs> so funny. So yeah, the dude was masturbating all the time. His fantasies of having sex with an unconscious or dead partner got boring. He would stand in front of a mirror with only his body basically showing. So it would kind of cut off his head and face. And he would imagine having sex with other men. He would imagine that he was both being the dominant and passive partner in these fantasies. His fantasies would evolve to incorporate his own near-death experiences, the dead bodies he had seen, and the picture of a 19th century oil painting entitled The Raft of the Medusa. I will post that picture. It's interesting. It's kind of messed up. But this painting depicts an old man holding the limp naked body of a young dead male as he sits aside the dismembered body of another young man. So that's what he fucking jerked off to. In Dennis's most vivid fantasy, there is a slender, attractive, blonde soldier that was killed in battle and is being dominated by a faceless, quote, dirty, gray-haired old man, end quote, who washed his body before having sex with the spread-eagled corpse. You know, I'm never going to feel bad about any sexual fantasies I have ever again. I know, right? I'm never going to feel any more shame. This tops it all. I know. I know, because you always... Yeah. And that, we'll obviously get into detail about all that awesome shit later throughout... Oh, like sex? All that, you know? But yeah, it's always shameful. Everyone always kind of sort of feels shame for something because it's not the norm or not what everyone says is the norm. Everyone's different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but this guy, his fantasies are beyond fucked. It's beyond fucked. Yeah, there's no one size fits all with sex, but this is just a little overkill. This is a (laughs) lot overkill. (laughs) Yeah, a lot, obviously. A lot overkill. Yep. Yeah. When he finishes the deployment in Aden... He returned to the UK and was assigned to cook for 30 soldiers and two officers on a daily basis. After one year, he was transferred to West Berlin, where he had sex with a female for the first time. She was a sex worker that he hired, and he bragged about his encounter, but later said, the sex with a female is both overrated and depressing. (laughs) (laughs) And that's funny, because that's how we feel typically having sex with men. Yeah overrated and depressing that's so ironic it's so funny dennis was then selected to cook for the queen's royal guard and then was reassigned to cook for a different regiment in shetland islands where his 11-year military career ended he moved back in with his family for three months while he contemplated what his next career move would be his mother was less concerned about his career and more concerned about the fact that he didn't have a girlfriend she wanted him to settle down by getting married and having his own kids. One night he watched a documentary about gay men with his older brother, his sister-in-law, and another couple. They all mocked the documentary while he was very defensive about gay rights. A fight broke out between them all and his brother. Wow. A fight broke out between them all and his brother, Olaf Jr., and he tattled on him and told his mother that Dennis was gay. He disowned his brother, never speaking to him again, and occasionally wrote a letter to his mother and stepfather and younger siblings. Shortly after this, he decided to join the police force and finished his training in April of 1973. He frequented gay bars and had sex with men he met. He said these encounters were, quote, soul-destroying, end quote. Dennis said that? Yeah. Hmm. They were soul-destroying. In which he, quote, would only lend, end quote, his body in a, quote, vain search for inner peace, end quote. Hmm. 
So I was laughing when you were saying, oh my God, so many quotes in one sentence. And I was like, right. <laughs> I have a sentence like that too. <laughs> Ultimately, he wanted a long-term relationship. In August that year, after a failed relationship, he said his personal life was at odds with his job. His birth father died the same month, leaving his kids a thousand pounds each. In December, he resigned from the police force. He worked as a security guard for six months before finding work as a civil servant. At his workplace, he was described as a quiet and conscientious employee. In November of 1975, Dennis encountered a 20-year-old man named David Galachan being threatened outside a bar by a few other guys. He stepped in and saved the day, took David to his room where they spent the night drinking and talking. David had just moved, was gay, didn't have a job, and lived in a hostel. They decided to live together. Dennis used his inheritance to find a bigger place for them both. They found a ground floor apartment where they had exclusive use of the backyard. The pair did have a sexual relationship, but didn't have sex often. They were both initially quite happy with their relationship and arrangement, but Dennis started to resent David for his lack of ambition to find work. They slept in separate beds and both started having casual sexual encounters with other partners in their home. David later states that Dennis was never violent toward him, but did verbally abuse him from time to time. After they had a huge fight in May of 1977, Dennis told David to leave. Over the next year and a half, Dennis had a few relationships with men that lasted about a few weeks. Three of those relationships were considered to be serious. After they all failed, he decided that he must be unfit to live with. By late 1978, the year I was born, he lived a lonely, single existence. He concentrated mainly on work and drinking his nights away. Between 1978 and 1983, Dennis killed a minimum of 12 males and attempted to kill seven others. Majority of these victims were homeless or gay men. The others were straight males that he met at a bars, public transit, or just outside his house. His victims were lured to his house with the promise of food, booze, and shelter. Once they were in his home, he would feed them, give them booze, and then he would strangle them. Some victims were strangled to death, while the others didn't die, and he would have to drown them in water. Once they were dead, he would bathe them, clothe them, and keep them in his apartment for weeks or months at a time before dismembering them. Between 1978 and 1981, at his Cricklewood residence, his victims were burned in a bonfire. Dennis would remove all their internal organs and dispose of them behind a fence where he lived or close to Gladstone Park. Victims killed between 1982 and 1983 at the Musewell residence, he would dispose of their flesh and small bones by flushing them down the toilet. Dennis admitted that he masturbated to his dead, naked victims and performed sexual acts with the bodies but never penetrated them. Dennis's first victim was a 14-year-old boy named Stephen Holmes. He was murdered on December 30th of 1978. Dennis was 33 years old at this time. He met him at a bar where Stephen was trying to buy some booze but wasn't successful. Dennis invited him back to his apartment where they could both drink and listen to music. They drank and both fell asleep. The next morning, Dennis woke up to Stephen sleeping beside him in bed. Dennis stated he was, quote, afraid to wake him up in case he left me, quote. He caressed him as he slept and decided he wanted Stephen to, quote, stay with me over the new year, whether he wanted to or not, end quote. He straddled Stephen and strangled him into unconsciousness, then drowned him in a bucket of water. 
He then bathed him and put him back in bed and lay next to him, caressing him. He jerked off over him twice while waiting for rigor mortis to pass so he could storm under his floorboards. Stephen remained under the floorboards for eight months before being burned in a bonfire on August 11th of 1979. Could you imagine how much that guy's house stunk? I can, but can't at the same time. Oh my God. Eight fucking months. Yeah. Oh, no wonder you felt like you were going to throw up. Yeah, and that's not even the worst of all of it. Oh, God. It's pretty bad, all of it. It's like bad. While Dennis reflected on his killing spree of 1983, he stated, quote, I caused dreams which caused death. This is my crime, end quote. On October 11th of 1979, Dennis attempted to kill a student from Hong Kong named Andrew Ho. He met him at a pub and invited him to his apartment with the promise of sex. He tried to strangle Andrew, but he managed to get away. He went to the police and reported it, but decided not to press charges. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, why wouldn't you press charges? <clears throat> tried to strangle you, but okay. Yeah. On December 3rd of 1979, Dennis met a 23-year-old Canadian student named Kenneth Ockenden, who was visiting relatives in England. They drank at the pub and then decided to continue the party at Dennis's house. They stopped off at a liquor store on the way to his apartment. He strangled Kenneth with his headphones while Kenneth was listening to music. Once he was dead, he poured himself a drink and continued listening to music with the headphones he used to strangle Kenneth. I want to know where he bought those headphones. Can you imagine how strong those fucking things they were? They had to have been, yeah. Normally it's pretty flimsy cable. Yeah, well, he strangled them and then could still listen to music. Wow. The next day, he purchased a Polaroid camera and took a bunch of photos of Kenneth in sexually suggestive positions. He then laid his corpse spread-eagled above him on his bed and watched TV for a few hours. He then wrapped his body in bags and put him under the floorboards. Over the next two weeks, he would take him out of the floorboards and prop him up on a chair beside him while he watched TV. On May 17th of 1980, Dennis met a 16-year-old catering student named Martin Duffy. He was a runaway and was happy to accept Dennis's offer for a meal and bed for the night. After Martin fell asleep, he sat on his chest while strangling him until he was unconscious. He dragged his body into the kitchen and drowned him in the kitchen sink. He said about Martin, quote, he was the youngest looking I have ever seen, end quote. He placed him on a kitchen chair and then on the bed. He kissed and caressed him repeatedly, complimenting his body while masturbating to him. He stuffed him in a cupboard for two days where the corpse began to bloat and then he moved him under the floorboards. Before the end of 1980, he killed an additional five men and failed to kill a sixth. Only one of the five were identified as 26-year-old William Sutherland. He confessed to all their murders and described how he killed them and what he did with their bodies after the murder in graphic detail. One of the unidentified victims had moved his legs as if he was cycling while being strangled. Dennis took a few weeks off work after this because it disturbed him. Another of the unidentified victims was strangled and he tried to resuscitate him but failed. He fell to his knees and cried. He then spat on his own image in a mirror. He lay with the victim while listening to some classical music, crying. This guy was struggling. Like, he was fucked up. Big time. Yeah, yeah. Super fucked up. Yeah. He would take victims out from under the floorboards and notice that the bodies were covered in maggots. Oh. He sprayed insecticide twice a day and sprayed 
different scents throughout the apartment to cover the smell of decay. Oh. In late 1980, he removed all of his victims from under the floorboards and burned them all in a bonfire in his backyard. To help cover the smell of the burning bodies, he placed a tire in the fire. Once the fire died down, he searched the ashes for any recognizable bones. He did find a skull that was intact and smashed it with a rake. Early January of 1981, he met an unidentified victim at a bar and lured him to his home. He strangled him and called in sick to work so he could dissect him and another victim he had in his apartment that was under his floorboards for about a month. By April, he killed two more victims that were never identified. Dennis said casually, quote, end of day, end of the drink, end of a person, floorboards back, carpet replaced, and back to work at Denmark Street, end quote. The following month, he removed the internal organs of several victims that were stored under his floorboards. His final murder victim at his Melrose Avenue apartment was a 23-year-old named Malcolm Barlow. He found him slumped on a wall outside his home and found out he was taking medication for his epilepsy and the medication made his legs go very weak. He offered to call an ambulance and took him to his apartment. The ambulance came and Malcolm was released from the hospital the following day. He returned to Dennis to thank him and ended up staying for a meal and drinks. He fell asleep on the couch and Dennis strangled him to death and stored him under the kitchen sink. Mid-1981, Dennis's landlord asked him to move out as he wanted to renovate. He offered him a thousand pounds as Dennis was resisting, but accepted the offer. The day before moving out, he had one final bonfire to burn the five bodies he still, still had stored in the apartment. Oh my God. Yep. He moved to Cranley Gardens. He didn't have access to a backyard at this property. And because he lived in the attic apartment, he couldn't store any bodies under the floorboards. He didn't murder anyone for two months. He then met John Howlett at a nearby pub, invited him to his home and drank some more. John fell asleep and Dennis tried to strangle him. The victim fought hard and almost overpowered Dennis, but Dennis managed to keep control. He dragged him to the bathtub and drowned him. For over a week, Dennis had marks on his neck because the victim tried to strangle him back. So he had to take that time off work. Couldn't show up with marks around his neck. In May of 1982, Dennis met 21-year-old Carl Stodder, who was also gay. He found out that Carl was depressed as he just broke up with his boyfriend. Dennis invited him back to the apartment to just chat, no sex. They drank and Carl fell asleep in a sleeping bag. Dennis strangled him with the zipper from the sleeping bag. Carl did come to and begged him to stop, but passed out again. He woke up in the bathtub being drowned and passed out once more. Dennis assumed he was dead, took him out of the bathtub and put him in a chair. That's when he realized Carl was still alive and decided to resuscitate him. He covered him in blankets and rubbed his body for warmth to bring him back. When he came to, Dennis hugged him and told him he had saved him. Three months later, he ran into Graham Allen trying to hail a cab. He invited him to his house for a meal and Graham accepted. He strangled him as he ate an omelet and kept him in the bathtub for three days before dissecting him. On January 1983, Dennis killed his final victim, a 20-year-old named Stephen 
Sinclair. Stephen fell asleep in an armchair in Dennis's apartment following a night of drugs and alcohol. He knelt in front of him and said, quote, Oh, Stephen, here I go again, end quote, and proceeded to strangle him. He noticed that Stephen had tried to kill himself as he discovered some deep gashes on his wrists. He bathed him, applied talcum powder, and laid him in his bed. He arranged three mirrors around the bed and lay naked next to him. Several hours later, he turned Stephen's head and face towards him and started kissing him and said, quote, good night, Stephen, end quote, and fell asleep. The next day, he dismembered him, placed him in bags and stored him in the, his wardrobe and in a tea chest and under his bathtub. He took the internal organs, flesh and small bones of the three victims and began flushing them down the toilet. As he did with previous victims, he boiled their heads, hands, and feet to remove the flesh so he can flush it. On February 8th of 1983, Dennis's murders were discovered by Dino Rod employee Michael Catron that was called to deal with plumbing complaints made by Dennis and other tenants. <laughs> I wonder why. What a fucking idiot. Michael opened the drain at the side of the house and discovered that the drain was packed with flesh-like substance and small bones. He reported this to his supervisor and they investigated the problem further the following morning. Dennis heard them talking about the flesh and he jumped in and said, quote, it looks to me like someone has been flushing down their KFC, a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. End quote. The crew returned the next day to discover that the drain had been cleaned out. They did find a few scraps of flesh and a few small bones further up the pipe that led towards his apartment. They called the police and the police discovered that these were in fact human bones in human flesh. The police waited outside of Dennis's house waiting for him to come back from work and asked if they could enter his apartment because they had questions about his plumbing. As soon as they walked in, they could smell rotting flesh. Dennis asked them why they were curious about his drains, his plumbing, and his apartment, and the police told him the flesh and bones that were found were human. Dennis pretended to be shocked and said, quote, good grief, how awful, end quote. The cop replied, quote, don't mess about, where's the rest of the body, end quote. Dennis reportedly, calmly, said that they were in plastic bags and showed them where they were. He was taken into police custody and admitted to everything, saying... He'd been waiting to get it off his chest. On February 11th of 1983, Dennis was charged with the murder of Stephen St. Clair. He was transferred to HMP Brixton until his trial. He said that his mood was one of, quote, resignation and relief, end quote. He was found guilty on August 9th for assaulting prisoner officers as he threw his full chamber pots at them and caught a few of them. So nice. they were flung with shit and piss. Nice. Barf. Right. He stood trial at the Old Bailey Courthouse on six counts of murder and two attempted murders. He pleaded not guilty, of course, but was convicted. Yeah. He died on May 12th of 2018 after he got a blood clot from surgery that he had had. Wow. There was so much more about the trial and everything, but I was just like, I could literally talk, keep going on and on about this, but he was convicted. Yeah. Not of all of them, unfortunately, but majority of them and died and that's my story the really sad twisted fucked up human being crazy and now you know why like i was literally gagging wanting yeah. to vomit that was really intense yep 
crazy. I've never heard of this guy. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, compelling story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm still, like, in shock. <laughs> Sorry. Right? Like, after writing it all, it's just like, oh, whoa. Yeah, right. Whoa. Just crazy. Yeah. Sad. Very sad. Very sad. And very sad, you know, that back then, even now still, but especially back then, how prominent homophobia, transphobia was, and mm -hmm. obviously not making excuses for him, but that's, it seems like that's what led him to have a psychotic break. Yep. Yep. Was having no acceptance, no love. Yeah. You know, nothing but rejection and being disowned and stuff, and yeah, it's crazy how things like that can cause people to psychologically break. Yeah. We're all pretty fragile when you think about it. Yep. Absolutely. Just, what's that breaking point, right? Yeah, exactly. I just, oh, I just tr try and picture his apartment. Right? smell. Oh. Like, what the fuck? I don't understand how he could live in that. That's what I mean. Yeah, and how did he not get sick? Yeah. Just Jeez. being okay with that stink. Ugh, I guess when you're that mentally ill. It's, yeah. It just doesn't even matter anymore. No. I no. mean, you know, you look at hoarders, right? It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. They'll have 15 to 40 dead cats in their house. Yeah. And everything else, and they're living in it like, oh. Yeah. But. He was hoarding dead bodies. He was hoarding dead bodies, yep. The fact that he tried to flush it. Yeah, right? He wanted to get caught. Oh, I can't even imagine being those poor fucking workers that right. were called opening up that drain and yeah finding flesh oh. that'd be so gross finding human organs and stuff Blech. it's disgusting yep yeah anyway yeah crazy yeah and i was <laughs> really wanting to do this story because it was so fucked up but at the same time i gagged a lot yeah yeah we actually talked about <laughs> chantelle was like are you gonna be okay to read this are you gonna yeah. vomit and i was like i'll be fine <laughs> i'm like all right I'll be fine. We'll see. Yeah. But yeah, you know, you did great. Yeah. Yeah. No gagging, which is good for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I gagged enough earlier. Yeah. So right. I just got it out of my system. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and that's that. That's episode five, guys. Yay. So contact us on social media. Yep. Hey, Twitter, my ride or die pod. Send us emails. Yep. My ride or die podcast at gmail.com. Yep. Send us stories. If you have complaints, we're going to ignore them. Yep. 100%. <laughs> going to ignore those. But yeah, if you have anything you guys want us to talk, if you guys have anything you want us to talk about, whether it's personal or other worldly related, yeah, let us know. We have Instagram. That's my ride or die podcast, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. As I always well get Facebook. that mixed up. Yeah. Because yeah. there's one that's pod. Yeah. The only one that's pod is Twitter. Yeah. Because they wouldn't allow the full word podcast. Right. Everything else is podcast. Right. Yeah. So yeah, reach out to us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email. Send us your shit. And we will have another story for next week. Yes. Episode six. Like Diana said earlier, we are just over 200,000 downloads. Thank you guys so much. 200 doubts. Oh my god, two <laughs> <laughs> Why I did I like, say 200,000? Because that's the goal, eventually. <laughs> I have no idea why I said that. I was like, whoa. Yeah. That'd be fucking great. 
Not yet, though. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually. 200. Down. 200. Oh, it's... Which is super exciting. It is super exciting. 200,000 would be fucking phenomenal. That will be incredible when that happens. When it happens. When cause it, it happens. Because it will. But 200. Yes. As of yesterday. Today, we have more already. Yep. But yes, that is pretty exciting. Sure is. And it was worthy of a hot tub soak and some wine and stuff. Yep. We'll yeah. For... Thank you, you guys. Yes. And have a good night. Yeah. And we'll see you, I mean, talk to you on Monday. Be safe, you guys. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye. Bye.